Good morning, everyone. Wow, we really miss you all. So glad we're able to connect this morning. You know, just a few years ago, now I realize it's before some of you were born, there was no such thing as online. And we would have been limited to, I guess, mailing you a letter. So we're thankful that we can at least connect in this way. These are unprecedented experiences in our lifetime. What is happening in the world is imposing itself on everyone. The church is in the season of Eastertide. We're recognizing that because of the resurrection, the world has become new. But of course, you might say, we're in the middle of like a worldwide pandemic. This doesn't feel so new. That's this idea that we call the already not yet. Once the resurrection of Jesus happened, there is something new that has happened in the world. It's different. Yet it's not all completely new yet. This is the tension we hold. But we do believe that the resurrection impacts how we can handle this very significant crisis that we're in today. Everyone is dealing with the loss of two key essentials. One is having a reasonable control on our daily activities. And two is having a clear sense of what to expect tomorrow. All of us have lost both of these. We must realize that everyone we encounter is experiencing this. Now, this all started around spring break time in the States. For our families, it coincided with spring break, a little bit of out of school time, extended time for the kids. Janice and I were actually on a trip with, with some of our family when it all started to ramp up. And it all started feeling initially kind of vacation-like or even kind of an adventure. You know, the great toilet paper hunt. Janice and I joked that one of our new pastimes was going to stores and looking at the empty paper product shelves where toilet paper used to be. But as this drags out, some have suggested this could have a significant impact for months and months to come. The quaintness of all of this um, is going to certainly start wearing off if it hasn't already. And the daily loss of control and the tragic stories of loss that we're hearing are and will begin to wear everybody thin. Realize that this has already put more stress into everyone's life. You know, all of us have an upper level of stress. If we study stress in our human journey, we all have an upper limit. If I was to draw a line up here, in every role that we have in life, whether I'm a son or a daughter or a husband or a spouse or a wife or uh, a worker, a business owner, whatever, whatever my roles are, um, each of those roles, if you could mark it out like a stock market, you know, it looks like it goes up and down. Some days it takes more energy, others it's different, you know, it's a little bit less energy. And you stack all those roles on top of each other. And if we get too many of those peaking at the same time or too many of those just in our life, we start peaking above that upper stress limit. We end up then with pretty high anxiety and stress. Most of our culture lives pretty close to that upper limit in just normal circumstances. This has put many people above that line. I've been telling my clients our practice that, that we all start out every morning about 50%. <laughs> Uh, just because of the pandemic that's going on. And then you start adding all of those roles on top of it. And we start peeking above that line pretty fast. And we start unraveling. That's the technical term. 
Uh, everyone is prone to then to be a little more irritable, a little more easily discouraged, or even drop into moments of intense fear or depression. We have two options, I think. We can either come together and grow through this time and allow a greater awakening to God and in each other, or end up in fear and anxiety and panic about almost everything. Now, any time that we feel a threat in our life, the reptilian part of our brain, we call it the amygdala, awakens, and we go into fight or flight or freeze. We've seen this, haven't we? It's now the survival of the fittest. We rush to the grocery store and fill our garages with all the paper products. And Did you know the gun purchases have actually gone up 300% as if we're going to be able to fight this virus with an armed militia somehow? We have to make sure that our needs are met and protect ourselves. And with this very kind of limited overview of our current journey and all its uncertainties, what do we now do? First, we have an opportunity as believers to raise this ancient conditioning of fight or flight or freeze to a higher level. Remember, any control that we have is an illusion. These are times that we go back to knowing in whom we put our trust. God is the same today as he is, was yesterday, and he's going to be the same tomorrow. These are the moments that our contemplative practices ground us. Regardless of what's going on, they ground us. So lean into your practices. If they are not very strong in your life, let this be a time to develop them. Allow yourself to be still and invite the presence of God into your life and into your circumstances. Remind yourself that he is always with us. I encourage you to join us on the 8s, Monday through Friday, 8 in the morning and 8 at night. Many of us gather online and, and in our journey and our faith practices, we begin to build these deeper and deeper roots. Now, I have over the years developed a habit of pretty consistent workouts. <laughs> I tell people my age, the whole goal is to just simply keep everything moving. Working out and exercising always feel good, feels good when I'm done, not necessarily before or during. Um, but the time that I most appreciate the strength that I'm able to maintain from doing that is if we have a storm come through Tulsa and it knocks down some branches in my yard and I need to get out there and cut up those branches and, and haul them off. It's, it's, uh, that's when I appreciate that strength. These are stormy times that we're living in. We can use these as an opportunity to build strength for future storms that we're all going to face. Second, realize that this is an opportunity to grow deeply in an awareness that we all have cracks in our personalities. We call them shadows. It's a shadow side of us that are usually hidden behind an illusion of control. <laughs> As we begin to experience these cracks, the not so healthy or not so pretty places in us, we have the opportunity to recognize that the deep work of God in us is when we come face to face with our weaknesses. Now, most of us hide those weaknesses when things are going fine. And we probably did pretty well when all this felt fairly short-lived. Now it looks like this isolation, this differentness isn't going to magically go away anytime soon. This is the time that God can do a deeper work in us. Time that we spend with him in prayer and contemplation uh, can help us surrender those dark places to him. 
Remember, he can work all things together for good. It just might involve a little pain. Now, pain is the greatest motivator for change in our life. God doesn't cause the pain, but he allows it and will... And, 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 and we can either then fight it or we cover it up um, or we try to medicate it. But if we can simply lean into the pain and ask God, what can I learn here? Where can I grow? I always think of the Apostle Paul at these times. Um, he talked about the thorn in his flesh that he dealt with. He was in pain. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Boast in my weaknesses? This doesn't sound very American, <laughs> certainly doesn't sound very faithfold, but the kingdom of God seems to anchor on very different foundations, things that at first glance don't necessarily sit well. Dependency, submission to another's will, love of neighbor first. How might we respond to those cracks in us during this time? Whether it's financial fear, whether it's health fears, whether it's loneliness or simply claustrophobia. Even too much closeness with others without our normal escapes can begin to show our cracks. What if God's grace being sufficient is simply being patient with yourselves and with others? Patience is a form of conscious suffering. I am choosing to accept my limited self and the limitations of others. What good might come from recognizing we are limited and being patient with ourselves and recognizing others are limited and being patient with them? At its core, this is surrendering to God, dying to self, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Third, realize that everyone is experiencing this differently. That's why probably the most important thing we can do for each other is to validate one another. Now, validation means to acknowledge that what you are feeling is real to you, and I have empathy and I care for you. If you feel like someone is overreacting and in great fear, being able to validate their feelings is, is the most loving and empowering thing we can do. That's why pep talks aren't so helpful. Validation doesn't mean agreement. It doesn't mean that we have to agree that the world is coming to an end but I'm willing to sit with you and in your reality. This is also important for those we see underreacting. Now, I know it can be very irritating when we feel people are being cavalier about this. Yet we find that many need to be in denial simply to feel safe. Once again, it doesn't mean we have to agree with their perspective. But it's also okay to share encouragement or another viewpoint, but it's only going to be able to receive, be able to be received by another if we validate their experience first. Fourth, part of this crack in our personality that tends to show up more under stress 
can cause an upheaval in our addictions. Which, by the way, we all have something that we go to that brings the illusion of escape or consolation. The liquor stores are certainly thriving. But it might be ice cream, binge-watching something and not getting our work done, or over-cleaning. We tend to want to escape instead of allowing ourselves to grow in maturity. Why not invite him to give you the strength to live a healthy life, to deal with your pain without the crutches that we so often lean to, to feel better? Allow the ambiguity of all of this just to sit in you without trying to resolve all the tension. We need to allow ourselves time to feel the feelings. Maybe do some journaling, even if you're not into that. Maybe take an opportunity to write some of these conflicting thoughts and fears and simply present those to God and see what happens in that encounter. But as we lean into the hardness of this, as we see more of our ugliness and need for a savior, remember who he is. Yes, these are areas in your life that need to be healed and changed, but remember, it is God's work in you. And he is the one who sent Jesus to die for all of our mess-ups, imperfections, and ugliness. You are safe in him. He is for you. Times of quiet, prayer, and connecting with others, and being honest and genuine with each other can lead to deeper inner wholeness and stronger relationships and put salve on the pain. These connections can also help remind us of the goodness of God and his love and his acceptance. Fifth, allow compassion to grow in you. Be and express the acceptance for others that you want. As you hear the pain of others and choose not to escape it or try to give some quick answer, compassion grows in us. We begin to carry each other's burdens and something deeper happens in us together. We begin to live as a body. Don't fear your own lament or the lament of others. Sixth, if you find yourself constantly thinking about what you can't do, let your thoughts go to what you can do. We can't go to a restaurant right now. It's driving me a bit crazy. I'm, I love restaurants. I love going and sitting in an atmosphere and being served in that way. It's, it's quite refreshing to me. But we can't do that right now. And we can stop and just think about that and get ir irritated and frustrated. Or maybe we put some extra effort into a meal at home. We sit outdoors by the chimney in this beautiful weather and have a peaceful dinner alone or with those in our home. Now, my challenge is we plan a little meal outside and Janice is still expecting the waiters to come and fill her iced tea glass every few minutes. And so I'm getting some good exercise back and forth to the kitchen. But what if we focus on, again, what we can do? In the same way, if you're frustrated over not being able to be very productive with your kids at your feet now, or trying to work at home and it's just not like being at the office, or your work has simply come to a stop, try to find at least one thing that you can do to accomplish each day. Even if it's getting the laundry folded and put away or sweeping off the porch or whatever that task is that would bring you peace. And finally, this is an opportunity to put our life in perspective. What are the most important things in life? Many of our leaders are trying to get things back to normal as fast as possible. 
We don't know whether that's a good decision or not. Certainly not all a bad thing. But are we missing an opportunity to test our own hearts to see what we are putting our hope in? This has impacted the economy in general and all of our individual financial situations in a huge way, and it certainly will for some time. But these are moments that give us an opportunity to pause. Is the most important thing in life that all of us are making more and more money each day? I'm not making light of it, but is that what the kingdom of God is founded on? What are our inner core values that are shaping how we are responding to this time? Maybe this is an opportunity for God to do deep work in our souls that we often just skip over in normal life. Once again, remember, God loves you deeply. You are his beloved. We love you. All this inner work I'm talking about is not because God is disappointed with you. He simply wants us to be fully prepared to handle the troubles of this life in a way where we can be about bringing his kingdom to bear in our daily life and in the life of others we encounter when we go through difficulties. I leave you with this, Romans. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, Will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you in these times.